BMX. Uh, when I was a kid, I had a BMX. Um, I'm old. I grew up in the 70s. BMXs were a thing in the 70s, right? Uh, everyone wanted a BMX. And I had a, it was just an old second-hand thing. Don't, it was nothing fancy, not like a BMX now. Um, but I had a BMX. And right across the road from my house, there was a creek. It was a little creek. Um, but there was a big pipe that went under the road uh, outside my house. So on, just right on the other side of, um, of the road, the little creek uh, turned into uh, like, like a big dip that went into this huge pipe. I, as a kid, I could walk through this pipe. I have no idea where it went. We used to walk through it until it got dark and then we got scared and came back. Um, but it went somewhere uh, under the road and, and far, far away. But what that meant is that um, right outside of the pipe was this huge sort of dirt dip. Um, and the challenge for me and for all my mates who lived around me was to on your BMX to stand at the top of one side of the dip and to ride straight down this dip, which was really steep, straight down across the bottom and up the other side. Um, now I know now we build uh, kids BMX uh, parks and skate parks, whatever, and it's all concrete and cool. But this was the 70s, and so we didn't have those things. We just had dirt dips, right? That was the best thing we had. And um, the only way to get up the other side is that you had to go full on down the. It was really short, right? Though this was no, uh, you know, massive dip. It felt huge when I was a little kid. But the only way is that you had to fully commit. Right on the edge, you had to just go down there as fast as you could to get up the other side. If you didn't go down as fast as you could, you wouldn't make it up the other side. You wouldn't have enough speed to get up the other side. And you learned that the hard way. If you went a bit softly, softly, if you thought, I'll, I'll just go carefully. If you went carefully, you'd get halfway up the other side, wouldn't make it, and then you'd fall backwards and the whole thing was a mess. And I saw it happen many times. But the key was, you had to go full on. If you hesitated, you were done. If you decided, oh, look, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just check it out, I'll just take it easy, you were done. The only way to get up the other side was to fully commit down the first side. And there's a lot of things in life that are like that, aren't there? There's a, there's a lot of things in life that really only work if you fully commit to them. Like relationships are like that, you know, whether it's a, a friendship or a, a boy-girl thing, <coughs> excuse me, whatever. Um, <coughs> it, you can't kind of do a relationship, you know what I mean? If you, if you, I mean, you can try and kind of do a relationship, but it really doesn't work. The only way it works is if you're properly committed to it. Diets are like that, right? If you're half doing a diet, you're not doing a diet, you know what I'm saying? Um, you've got to fully commit to it. Um, exercise, any of those things are the same thing. You know, if you're trying to get fit, you've got to properly commit to it. You can't sort of, oh, look, I'll, I'll do it a little bit, I'll half do it. You know, nothing happens, you waste your time. Lots of our hobbies are like that. You know, if you, if you decide that you're going to be a casual gardener and kind of get out the garden once a week, uh, oh, I'm not a gardener, but so they tell me, like, that's really hard. You know, because in a week, lots of things grow and there's lots of weeds and whatever. Actually, the more you garden, the more you commit to it, the easier it gets. You know, if you're in your garden every day, um, then it's actually easier to get a good garden going if you really commit to it than if you just do it occasionally. 
Um, we are uh, deep into a series uh, in this church that we're calling Surviving and Thriving, and we're walking through the letter of 1 Peter in the Bible. Uh, we say this every week uh, by way of introduction, that 1 Peter is a, a short letter uh, that we find right up the backs of our Bibles. It was written by Peter, as in Peter, who was one of the, the, the 12 followers of Jesus. And he wrote this letter to churches uh, a bunch of years, probably around 30 years after the death of and the resurrection of Jesus. And he writes to a small group of churches in a part of the world that we now call Turkey. And he writes to them when they're really doing it tough. They're really struggling. Um, the Roman Emperor Nero, who controls pretty much the whole world. Nero has... Um, uh, basically, he's made it legal to persecute Christians. It's like he's sort of outlawed Christianity. And so it is... Uh, it is legal to persecute uh, and to discriminate against Christians. This is the, the part of history where you hear stories about Christians being burned at the stake and fed to lions and that sort of stuff. This is that moment in history when Peter writes this letter to these churches uh, because these churches are suffering. That stuff is happening to them, to some of the people in their churches. Um, and he writes to encourage them. And he writes about to remind them how awesome a life with Jesus is. He says, I know it's tough now, um, but the worst that the world can throw at you is nothing compared to how good it is to live with Jesus. How awesome it is uh, to live a life of faith. Uh, he uses these fantastic words in the opening of the letter. He says that, um, that living with Jesus is like having an inexpressible and glorious joy. And he writes that, therefore... Therefore, because of how awesome Jesus is, therefore we should live what he says are holy lives. We should be set apart, we should be different from the world around us, and we should be following Jesus in the way we live. And he goes into detail, we've, we've looked at this over a number of weeks, he goes into detail about that, what, what that looks like in our communities, in our workplaces, in our marriages, wherever we are. And this week, he's, he's going to sort of bring it all together and wrap it up this week. This is, uh, we're in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. There is a chapter 5, um, but there's sort of some concluding remarks and, and he changes tact a bit. Um, th this, is really, uh, this is really the last part of the letter where he's talking about his main point for writing the letter. And so he's going to bring it all together and wrap it up a bit this week as he talks about the secret to surviving and thriving in tough times. So we're in 1 Peter chapter 4. If you've got a Bible, your phone, um, get it out and follow along. Um, uh, we're actually going to read all of chapter 4 uh, today, um, which is a lot of text, uh, but we're going to move through it. Uh, we're going to move through it, no worries. So I'm going to do what I do, I've uh, been doing every week in this series. I'm going to read all of the text. Now, I do warn you, it's a lot of text. Um, uh, but I'm going to read it all through. You follow it through on your phone or in your Bible, um, and then we'll go back to the top and, and we'll just sort of unpack it from there. So, beginning right at verse 1 in 1 Peter chapter 4. Therefore, since Christ suffered in the body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. If you've spent enough time in the past doing what the pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing and detestable idolatry, they're surprised that you don't join them in their reckless wild living and they heap abuse on you. 
but they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but living a, live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Uh, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. For the spirit of glory and the God, sorry, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. We're going to go back and, and, and sort of walk through this verse by verse and, and get a sense of, of what it is that Peter's saying here. And, and, and right at the top, um, Peter compares our suffering, he compares the suffering of the people in that church to Jesus' suffering. He asks them to, to re-examine their attitude to pain and suffering. In verse 1 he says, arm yourselves with the same attitude. He's saying that Jesus put up with incredible suffering because he knew that there was spiritual gain in his life that was greater than the physical pain. Okay, he, he could put up with this. He could put up with the physical pain because he knew that there was something happening spiritually that was more important than the pain that was happening physically. Jesus knew that the earth, this whole earth, was his temporary home. Jesus knew that he came from heaven and he was returned to heaven, and the world and everything that was in this wasn't his end game. Right? He wasn't here for this world as in as in like for his physical life. He was here for something spiritual. And so, as Peter has been saying constantly throughout this letter in one way or another, he's saying that Jesus and now his followers, that Jesus and his followers, verse 2, do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Now, if you've been following along in this series, this might sound a little bit like Groundhog Day, like haven't we been here before? Hasn't Peter talked about this before? And the answer to that is yes. Yeah, Peter has. But he keeps repeating this. He keeps coming back to this uh, in lots of different ways because for Peter, this is the main point. 
This is the thing that he really wants people to get. This, is, this for him is really critical. And so he's going to repeat it. He's going to keep coming back to it and say, I, I, I want to hit this point again because it's so important. Peter wants you to get, this, get, get a hold of this idea. He wants to say, if you're a Christian, and, and I want to say, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this and, and you're not a Christian, then this world might be the best that you've got. Right? But, but Peter's saying, if you're a Christian, this world is not the best that you've got. This world is not the end. And that the key to surviving and thriving through the pain and the suffering, and if you like the people in this letter, even the death that might come your way uh, because of being a Christian, the key to getting through that is to keep your life focused on Jesus. He's saying it's, a, it's to keep your life focused on Jesus in terms of the now, in terms of your life with Jesus now, but also... Eternally, in other words, also after this life, uh, after this life, your eternal life with Jesus there. Peter goes on to remind him, to remind his readers how different this is from the rest of the world who live around us. Verse three says, "For you've spent, uh, for you've spent enough time in the past doing what the pagans pagans is just a, a word that means people who don't believe in God uh, doing what those people who don't believe in God choose to do." And he's got this fantastic list of, of things that they're doing at that time, living in debauchery and lust and drunkenness and orgies and carousing and detestable idolatry. You could add to that list a whole bunch of other things, I'm sure. He says in verse 4, in fact, they're surprised that you don't join them. Like they're looking at you going, why aren't you doing what we're doing? This is the way to live life, isn't it? He says, they're surprised that you don't join them in their reckless and wild living and they heap abuse on you because of that. And some of us know what that feels like. They have people look at you and go, why are you living like we're doing? Well, why are you doing that Christian thing? That, that's a dumb idea. This is what's happening for, for Peter's readers too. He says, you know what it's like to live different. You know what it's like to live in the world. And he's saying, you used to do it. That's the way you used to live. But now as a Christian, you've chosen and you've signed up to live a different kind of life. Verse 5, he says, But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. He's saying this world isn't the end. There's a bigger picture. Verse 7, Therefore be alert and of sober mind. Therefore, he's saying, therefore is his way of saying, considering this, considering this the way it is, be alert and of sober mind. The New King James Version of the Bible says, be serious and watchful. The New Living Translation says, be earnest and and disciplined. And however you read it, he's saying, get your mind focused on this. You know, get, get, get serious and focused on this. That no matter how bad things get in this world, if you're a Christian, you don't need to panic. You don't need to despair. You don't need to live with fear and hopelessness. Because you have a better reality available to you. Because life with Jesus gives you a better life in the now and beyond this life in eternity. Therefore, with that in mind, this is how we should live. Verse 8, above all, love each other deeply. How many times has Peter said that in one way or another in this letter? Love one another. It, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. In other words, he's saying, you can get a whole bunch of stuff wrong in this life. You can miss, but, but if you're loving, if you're loving one another, 
If you as a church and as individuals, if you're loving other people, that's going to get you by. That'll make up for a bunch of other inadequacies that you might have. If you love one another, you're going to get by. Offer hospitality, verse 9, to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. What a challenge that is to the way uh, we use our words. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Live this way, he's saying. Live this way, this other-centred kind of life. Live this way so that in all things, God might be praised. So that in all things, people will see the goodness of your life. They will see the way that you're living and that will reflect on the God that you believe in and the God that you serve. Verse 12, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal. Um, Again, that's sort of emotive Bible language for saying the bad things that are going to happen to you. Um, uh, But do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised, he's saying suffering. Don't be surprised that bad things are going to happen to you. That's, that's the way things are. It's what he's saying. Don't be surprised by that. Verse 13, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. The New Living Translation of that verse says, instead be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering. Peter's saying, don't be surprised when you're suffering. When you suffer. in, in fact, there should be a part of you that that almost says, wow, I'm, I'm excited that, that suffering is coming my way because suffering puts you on the same team as Jesus. Like it puts you in a space where you're now experiencing what Christ has, has experienced. Um, verse 14, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. Verse 16, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. In other words, praise God that people know you... That, you know, people can only um, be people can only persecute you as a Christian because they know you're a Christian. Does that make sense? They say um, you should you should praise God that actually people see that in you that they want to persecute you because they know you're a Christian um, because you are living that kind of life. Verse nineteen. So then, those who suffer according to God's will. Uh, what that means when it says according to God's will, in other words, if you're following God, you're doing his will. You're doing his will. If you're following his ways, it's a bit like saying, so then, those who, are, those who are following God and living the way he wants you to live, those people like that should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Peter's drawing his letter to a close, as I said before, uh, chapter 5, which we'll look at next week, are are sort of closing comments and some different comments. This is his final wrap-up of the main purpose that he's writing this letter for. And, and, And as in any sort of good conclusion, Peter is bringing together his key thoughts, uh, again, his key ideas and key thoughts, and bringing them together. And we've said this in, in, in a number of ways over this series. Number one. If you're a follower of Jesus, this world isn't the end for you. There's a bigger picture. Don't confuse this. uh, Peter talks about the world of the body, you know, this this physical. Don't confuse the things of this physical world with the world of the spirit. Life with Jesus gives you a bigger picture on life, a bigger perspective on life than just the physical stuff here and now. 
And there's nothing here, not the, not the really good things here or the really bad things here, there's nothing in this world that, that, can, that can compare with the awesomeness of living a life with Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, this world isn't the end for you. Therefore, his second, his second key teaching in this whole letter, therefore, we should live lives following Jesus' example. And what's the number one example? We hit it almost every week in this series. We should love one another. We should be kind and hospitable. We should serve others both in our action and in our words so that we should love one another so that people would, uh, would, would, would see God reflected in us. And, and when we do suffer for doing good, remember that Jesus suffered too. Pain and suffering, Pete wants to say, pain and suffering don't separate you from God. And some of us think that. Some of us think, oh, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm in pain. That must mean that God somehow left me. Peter's saying, no, pain and suffering don't separate you from God. Pain and suffering bring you closer to God because you, you relate, you, you, you're kind of connected with Jesus in that suffering. Because Jesus suffered too. This is Peter's core message. If you're a follower of Jesus, this world isn't the end for you. Therefore, we should live life following Jesus' example. And when we do suffer for good, remember that Jesus did too. This is the reason Peter wrote this letter to these churches. This is the encouragement that he wants to give them. And if we can get this, and this is what we've been trying to say almost every week in this series, if we can get this in our lives, it will change the way that you and I face the tough stuff that comes to us. The suffering, the pain, the difficulties, the challenges that come to us in our life. Because the reality for us is, let's be honest about this, the temptation and the pull for us to focus on this physical world is stronger than ever. Right? Whether it's about stuff, you know, clothes and cars and houses and money and woodwork machinery. <laughs> Maybe that last one's just me. You know? <laughs> Whether it's about stuff, whether it's about experiences, you know, food and holidays and sex and parties and bucket list things. Whether it's about people, friends and family, relationships, kids. We're bombarded with messages that tell us that we should be focusing on this, these things. That, that focusing on these things, this is the way to have a great life and a full life and an important life. I'm not saying any of those things are, are bad in themselves. Stuff can be good. Experiences can be cool. People can be fun. But Peter's lesson, and what I, what I want to say to you today, is that none of that compares to a life lived with Jesus. What Jesus has done for us, his death and resurrection on the cross, what Jesus does for us now, his daily presence with us, the, you know, we, we share communion together, you know, that, that daily sense of where with Jesus. What Jesus has prepared for us, uh, we often call it eternal life. In this letter, Peter uses the word the inheritance. You know, the, the, the thing that's coming our way in the end. This stuff is worth more than anything that the world can offer at us, or offer to us, and better than anything the world can throw at us. Therefore, as Peter says, therefore, followers of Jesus should live boldly following Jesus' example. Should be boldly loving one another. Should be bold and out there in the way that we are kind 
and respectful, the way that we honour others, put their needs before our own. In our communities, in our workplaces, amongst our friends, in our marriages. Peter's spoken about all these things. And that we should continue to live boldly like this, even if we suffer. Even if, we, even if we suffer for that, we should continue to boldly doing it. Because if you suffer for doing good, well, you, you, you're coming closer to Jesus. I mean, you actually, you know, you're starting to experience the life that Jesus experienced. And I know, I know, when you hear this, there's a part of you that will say, well, that's easier said than done. Well, it's easy to talk about that in church. It's easy to talk about that when we're sitting here. It's easier said than done. And I think that's true. But I was also sitting with this 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 week thinking, it is true to an extent. But I don't think this stuff's as hard as we think it is either. I mean, I think if we try and do this in our own strength, if you're sitting here and you think, you know what, I'm going to try harder to be good. I'm going to tough out the hard times. I can do that. You know, There's tough stuff in my life, but I can grip my teeth and, and I can get through it. Well, then it's hard work. But that's not what Peter's talking about. This isn't a motivational letter from Peter saying, you can do it, you can do it. He's not talking about us getting through this in our own strength. He's talking about us putting Jesus at the centre of our lives. He's talking about us living lives that are daily, daily focused on Jesus. Who he is, what he's done, and what he has prepared for us. Because Peter's talking from his own experience. right? Peter walked and lived with Jesus. Peter heard the teaching. Peter saw Jesus' example. And for 30 years, remember, it's 30 years since Peter walked with Jesus. For 30 years, Peter's been living like this. He's been experimenting with this. He's been trialling and erroring this and working this out. And he's now writing a letter to say, you know what, it's my experience. I can tell you from my experience that the more we know Jesus, the more we lean into Jesus, the more we commit to Jesus, the more his life becomes like our life. The more his desires become our desires, the less we have to fight with who we are because we've got more of Jesus naturally in us. Does that difference make sense? Peter's not talking about trying harder. He's talking about making a decision to live a life that is like full on for Jesus. He's saying, uh, you know, fully commit to your Christian beliefs and your Christian faith. This is the ultimate invitation that this letter makes to us. Peter's writing to churches, remember, right? So he's writing to people who believe in Jesus. This isn't a letter to say, hey, I think you should consider Jesus. He's writing to people who've already looked at Jesus and gone, you know what, I think he's the real deal. But they're not sure what to do because they're suffering. And in their suffering, they're losing their confidence. And, and, and there's a sense of confusion that's coming into this church. Because things are getting hard. Is, is this Jesus thing really worth it? Did we make the right decision? You know, this whole this following God thing, was this really a good decision? Because look what's happening to us now. 
Maybe we should just back it off a bit. Maybe we should just take it easy. Maybe we should not be so out there with our faith. Maybe we should just do it quietly in our bedrooms. And, 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 and you know, because then we won't suffer as much. You know, maybe we should just maybe we should just blend in with the world a little bit more and, and it'll go easier for us. Maybe we just blend in with the world and it will go easier. They've started to question the decision that they've made. We believe in Jesus and now we're suffering. Is it worth it? You know, I believe in Jesus and life doesn't seem to be getting easier. Is it worth it? And Peter's response, Peter's writing this letter to say, yes, it is. In fact, he goes further than that. He's saying, not just yes, it is. He's saying, but you know what? The answer to where you're at at the moment isn't to back away and to say, let's blend in with the world. Let's not stick out as much. He's saying, the answer is actually to lean in more to Jesus. Some, some people want to want to want to back off when times get tough. Well, we can be like that too. I can be like this too, thinking, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to focus on me for this season. You know, I'm just going to sort myself out. I'm going to, you know, look at some other things. I, I, I just need to get through this time. And Peter's saying, don't do that. Don't lean away from Jesus and from your faith when, when things get difficult. Lean in. If you want to get through this, lean in, uh, commit yourself more to Jesus, lean in more to your faith. Peter's saying, look at what Jesus has done for you. Look at what he is doing in you and look at what he has prepared for you in terms of eternal life. Lean into him, go for it. It's worth it, it works. That's the way to get through the difficulties. That's the way to get through the pain and the suffering and the trouble and the challenges that are going to come your way. Because as we've always said, at no point in this letter does Peter say the bad things aren't going to happen to you. At no point in this letter does he say, if you believe in Jesus, it will all be good and you won't suffer and nothing bad will happen to you. At every point, Peter says, suffering's going to come. Hard times are going to come. Challenges are going to come. Difficulties and troubles are going to come. And if we get stuck looking at those things through this physical world, like these early churches, we're probably going to end up confused and lacking confidence in our faith. But the point of Peter's letter is to say, there's another way. To embrace the world of the Spirit of God. It's what in Jesus' teaching he talks about as the world of the kingdom of God. He said there's this whole other world that's happening around us, not just the physical things, the things that we can uh, uh, touch and taste. And so there's this whole other reality there, the spiritual world, the kingdom of God. And Peter's saying, if we will throw ourselves fully into Jesus, into this spiritual world, that's where we will find the strength and the courage and the perspective we need to face and to overcome whatever the world throws at us. Not because you're going to become super strong and super courageous, and not because, well, I'm a Christian so I can do this, but because Jesus is ultimately strong and ultimately courageous. That's the point of this. So the question that I want to ask you today, and really the, the end question of this series, is to ask, 
Will you throw yourselves fully into that? You know, you're at a point in your life where you want to say, I'm prepared to fully commit. You know, like me on my BMX at the top of that dirt dip, there's a moment where I say, if I half commit to this, it's actually not going to work out so good. I've got to decide if I want to, the thrill of going down and up that dip, I've got to fully commit. I've got to throw myself off the top. I've got to throw myself into that dip full on. And if you want to answer yes to that question, this is the moment. I'm going to lead us in a prayer in a moment um, where you can make that decision just for yourself. This is not, no one's going to make you sign anything or stand up. But this could be a moment this morning where you just make or remake that decision for your life. And maybe you've made this decision before. You're like some of the, the Christians in the, the churches that Peter was writing to. You believe in God. You're, you're kind of for this, but, but your attention's turned back to the world a bit. You know, you've got, you've got beaten down by challenges and difficulties that have come or are in your life right now. And you're sort of tempted to, to turn back to the world and, and to rest in the world a little bit. And maybe this is your morning to say, you know what? Today, I'm going to recommit myself to Jesus. I'm going to lean in hard. I'm going to go full on. And maybe you've never made this decision before. You might have been around churches, you might know some Christians, but actually as you sit here, you think, oh, I've never really made that decision to really jump in. I've never really made a decision to fully accept what Jesus has done for me in his death and in his resurrection. I've never really made a decision to fully live for him. You can do that in just a few moments as we pray. I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and we often do in this church when we pray, we're all going to pray together. We don't want anyone to be, uh, you know, out on their own. This isn't, um, this isn't one of those things. Nobody prays alone. There's no pressure on people. So we'll all pray it aloud, but if you want to make a commitment in your heart as we pray, you can do that now. Let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus, for your love for me. Today I turn from my sin and I embrace your life, your death on the cross and your resurrection give me new life and a way through the tough times. Today I accept that new life and I promise to live for you. No matter what the world will throw at me, I promise to follow you. Amen. If you made a decision for Jesus during that prayer, um, that's awesome. Well done. Um, if you did, I'd ask seriously, um, after the service is over, um, just let me know, or, or, or Megan or Ros know, um, just so that we can pray for you. Just so that we can be encouraging you and helping you on your journey. If you're part of our church that's listening or watching this online, 
um, and you made that decision, send us an email or, or touch base with us through social media again, just so that we can encourage you uh, and so that we can be on this journey with you. In this, in this letter, Peter really offers the church, he offers people a vision for a life that will survive and thrive in tough times. It's, it's Peter's vision for the churches then, but it's also our vision for this church at Tide. You know, because we're new, people often ask us, so what's your church going to be about? And our answer is actually, um, we don't have any sort of idea or strategy or philosophy that we're trying to offer people. We're actually trying to offer people a person. Jesus. And that might sound a little bit cliche, but honestly, it's the truth. There's no cool programs or fancy events that make up this church. We're simply about presenting people the good news and the person of Jesus. And then allowing Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, to do the work in people. Right? Anything good that's going to happen in this church isn't because of stuff that we do. It's because of what Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, is going to do in people. Our vision at Tide is just to be a group of people, sometimes we say a community, but to be a group of people who are on a journey just to lean in more, to commit more, and to go deeper with Jesus. And whether you're at the beginning of that journey, whether you're, you're not even sure if you've started that journey, or whether you've been on this journey for years and you're already kind of deep in it, you're welcome to join us. That's what we're going to be about. You're all going to bring friends and family. Uh, you know, I mean, we would say, honestly, yeah, the more the better, in a sense. You know, it's not, it's not about numbers, but if there's other people that you know that want to be a part of this, you know, of, of this vision, this, this journey, invite them along. Because we believe in this place, like Peter, that Jesus is the source of and the path to true life. And when I say true life, I mean real abundant, wonderful, rich, you know, kind of prevailing life. A life that begins now, that, that overcomes the challenges of this world and that lasts beyond death and into eternity. Into eternity. We believe like Peter, that's the kind of life that Jesus wants for us and that Jesus makes available for us. That's what this church is about. And that's the good news of 1 Peter chapter 4. 